You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can text us at 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. Well, we are four days away from the NFL draft. Uh, obviously, recording this on Sunday for four days, I should say. Um, and you guys may be listening to this on Monday. In, in that case, we're a little bit closer as you're probably getting into the uh, the end of the workday uh, on Monday. But really excited about the draft this year, man. There's a lot of things that are starting to come into focus. You know, one of the things that happened here recently was you had Bryce Young kind of come into focus, right? Um, as you guys know, I, I've been talking for, you know, ever since college football last year during the season tweeted several times, you know, Bryce Young's that guy. And and when I was looking at other quarterbacks across the country, including, in my opinion, a lot of people, it's going to be a very hot take, but the kid from, I believe, USC, Caleb, I think it's Caleb Williams. I can't remember his last name right off the bat. I watched him play several times, and and he made, you know, several flash plays, right? Um, obviously, uh, winning the Heisman, if I remember correctly, he won the Heisman. I'm not a huge college football fan, but I do remember watching him play Notre Dame and a, and a few other teams and – I didn't like how reckless he was, right? And and another thing too is you know putting the whole um, f you uh, you know f Utah on his fingernails, I believe it was, you know, going into that game, um, as well as you know, I think he did it for Notre Dame as well. Um, you know that type of stuff those a red flag for me, and and a lot of people are going, oh, you know, you're part of the no fun league. That's the only reason you feel that way. Um, you know, others are, you know, you need to let people express themselves and that, and I'm all for that. I am. I, I love celebrations in the NFL. Um, I'm old school. Don't get me wrong. My favorite celebration all time was Barry Sanders, how he would literally, you know, have a 60 yard run, make 14 defenders miss. That's right. 14 people miss multiple times on one play. Right. And, and then score a touchdown, hand the ball to the ref and jog to the sidelines. I just love that about him. Um, but. I'm cool with celebrations. You know, some of the best celebrations uh, kind of came about when uh, when I was a kid. You know, I remember watching uh, uh, Terrell Davis, right, for the Denver Broncos, throwing up that mile-high salute. Obviously, the Lambeau Leap. It's one of the reasons I became a Packer fan was just seeing how the Green Bay Packers players interacted with their fans, you know, uh, doing the Lambeau Leap, obviously created by Leroy Butler and, and really perfected by Robert Brooks and uh, on and on and on, right? but so I'm not anti-celebration. I'm not anti-fun. But 
when you when you come out and you're insulting the opponent, there's a handful of people who've done that in the past. And this is just how my brain operates. I immediately go, who has done that in the past and has it been successful? You know, that's that's how I operate daily. That's how I operate in business. That's how I operate. Um, you know, it's it's funny, my marriage, everything, everything, every re uh every what am I trying to say here? Every action is going to spur a reaction, right? And every time that you do something, it's going to create a byproduct, meaning, you know, there's there's cause and effect. You know, I I look at things within my marriage and I'm like, if other people have done that, I'm staying away from it. To, you know, it, it's amazing how people will take relationship advice from people who have failed marriages, right? I've got a buddy. It's like that. He, you know, both parents, obviously, they got a divorce close to his uncle. He and his wife got a divorce. As a sibling, they've been divorced. And he's coming to me going, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so about that. I'm like, why are you talking to them about it? They failed. They completely failed at it. And you're asking for relationship advice, right? So that's just how my mind operates. And I don't mean to get you know already down a rabbit hole here, but it's just, so when I look at someone like Caleb, that, you know, how he approached that and being all brash, two people come to mind for me right off the bat. And, and and it's it's really magnified when it's quarterbacks too. Johnny Manziel was the same way, right? How did he pan out in the league? Not too good, right? The other one is Baker Mayfield. Guys, I was a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I'm like, man, this guy, I really hope he succeeds. And then he comes in, and when he finally battles him, his way into the starting lineup, you know, uh, after, uh, you know, Hugh <laughs> completely ran that organization into the ground. Um you know, he got his opportunity and he had, you know, he performed great. And it's like, man, this is this is what you wanted Baker Mayfield to be, right? But then what happened? It's like he had a problem with the first coach. He ended up having a problem with the second coach. He had a problem with Odell Beckham Jr. And and a lot of people said, no, OBJ was the problem. Okay, if OBJ was the problem, then how come OBJ and Kevin Stefanski are still close friends, right? But you don't ever hear about Baker Mayfield being close with those organizations. And it's just really strange because you got to be careful with that stuff because coming out of college, if you remember, and all this applies because it's draft season, right? And we're going to, we're going to get into some really good Packers draft talk here in a second, but these are the things to me that are, that are really, really important. Um, it, you know, coming out of college, everybody said, everybody loves Baker. The organization loves him. The, the teammates love him. They all went to his birthday party. If we want to talk draft day here, right? Um, all those things. But then all of a sudden he gets in the league and he's rubbing people the wrong way. And it's like, man, there's something there. So Johnny Manziel's career completely flopped. Baker Mayfield's hanging on. I think he's in Tampa now. But he's he's already been, what, on three different teams now? This is his third team. Um, you know, success leaves clues, but so does failure, right, in, in anything. Um, so when I see a quarterback do that stuff, the first thing that popped in my mind was Johnny Menzel doing the money sign, holding his hands up, doing the money sign, right? And Baker Mayfield grabbing his crotch, looking at the Kansas sideline during the game, which at the time, I got to be honest, I'm like, that dude is going to demolish this team. And he did, right? But those are the things you got to kind of look out for. And, and, and I, I say all that because even with all the chatter about Caleb last year, and obviously he was too young to come into the draft and, and he played well on the field, you've seen the recklessness both on and off the field, in my opinion. Because you come in the league and you pull those antics, guess what's going to happen? Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield is what's going to happen. It's just going to happen. It, there's not been a quarterback come in the league and act like that and succeed. If you think there has, name him. Some people would say, well, Jim McMahon won a Super Bowl, yeah. 
Yeah, he did with the best defense in the history of the game. And what else did he do? Right? It just doesn't happen. So while everybody was clamoring over him last year, I was watching Bryce Young operate in that Alabama offense. And I'm like, man, this dude is the real deal. Like he, it was, there was never a moment where I'm like, oh, look at that circus play, you know, which everybody loves, myself included. But it was just constantly, he was just fluid in the pocket. He knew how to evade pressure while while navigating the pocket. There's a difference between a scrambling quarterback and a quarterback that can navigate the pocket, right? Tom Brady can nav- navigate the pocket. Excellent. Aaron Rodgers was one of the best. It just so happens early in his career he had the wills to scramble as well. But there's a difference between, you know, pocket maneuverability and scrambling ability. And Bryce Young has all that. So early on, as we get into this draft talk, and I'm going to break down a bunch of mock drafts that I did with the Packers, um, and uh, it's really to compile a bunch of information. But um, I just wanted to point out that, like, Bryce Young the entire time was my number one quarterback. Uh, Jake Shavink, who I have a lot of respect for, I want to say thank you to Jake for having me on his show the other night. Um, that was a lot of fun. I learned a ton. I always Every time he opens his mouth when it comes to the draft, I learned something. And he had mentioned a little while back that it sounds like C.J. Stroud was going to Carolina at number one. And I immediately was like, whoa, they're going to take him over Bryce Young. And I go and look, and I see where he's getting the information, and it was all valid sources. But that's what happens this time of the year, you know. And and now I think, you know, Jake would agree. We would all agree that Bryce Young's probably the the surefire number one. Crazier things have happened, right? But there's no reason for them to send a smoke screen now. Um, they're not looking to trade out of that if they've got their franchise quarterback in Bryce Young. And, and it seems like uh, Tepper actually went – the owner of the Carolina Panthers went and sat down with Nick Saban – in Nick Saban's office in Tuscaloosa, and uh, and they sat down and talked about Bryce Young, and he's he's the guy who makes the decision. Make no two bones about it, man. Like that's the thing about the ownership talk. There's so many ways we could go with this conversation, but I'm going to try to keep it on the tracks here. We're already ten minutes in, and I haven't even gotten to my mock draft yet. But the owner, you know, he's paying the bills, dude. He if he if he's if there's a guy he wants, he's going to get him. You know, that's just like C.J. Stroud in Houston. Every, you know, if the owner wants him, they'll they'll get him. Uh, it just sounded like they don't want him now. Now there's a chance Will Levis could go at number two. And some of you guys are going, how, how? Guys, again, we talked about this. Like, I think C.J. Stroud is the best passer in this in this draft, even a, a an even better passer than Bryce Young. But, guys, that doesn't – that that's not the tell-all, end-all. Just This isn't Madden. I just need a high accuracy rate and good, good arm strength, and I can win with this quarterback. No, 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 no. Like – in real life, you've got to have someone who can do those little things, like navigate the pocket, but the, more importantly, have complete command over the offense. Isn't it amazing how the reason that Bryce Young is going to go number one is because he had complete command over that Alabama offense. He had the freedom to change plays. He had the freedom to make quick adjustments. He had the freedom to go to RPOs, win and win and where you know wherever he he could can in and out of plays. All those things. That's where scouts, every scout across the league, is going. This guy gets it. But when Aaron Rodgers did it for the Packers, he's selfish, right? Now, you talked to Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur loved the fact that Aaron did that stuff. Absolutely loved it. Early on, it was a little shaky. But then, you know, whatever, three straight seasons of 13 wins and a couple MVPs later, LaFleur, you know, really appreciated that. But I just the parallels, it's just amazing, man. This time of year, the draft is awesome because these little things keep coming up, right? And uh, so anyway, 
you know, Jake pointed out that everybody was kind of leaning towards C.J. Stroud going number one. Now it's Bryce Young's going to go number one. We're, we're coming full circle. And, and I want to mention this because my draft board, the way it's created, it's to have the end in mind. Every single draft season, guys, and I did this for so many years, I would build a draft board as soon as the season was over. And by the time we got to the draft, my board was completely different. And then I'm like, well, I've got the most up-to-date information. And then on draft night, nothing was close to my board, right? I want to say nothing was close, but there was a lot of inaccuracies. I should say that. Why is that? It's because you have these hop trains that get rolling and everything gets jumbled up. And really, I couldn't tell you how many times I came back to the table and was like, man, I had it right early, right? So that's why I create the base for my board and then add in slot modifiers rather than wait till all the information's in and now everybody's got their big board created a week before the draft. Now let me build my big board based off of that and then I'll make adjustments. Man, you talk about really screwing up a board. And that's why our board was so spot on last year was because we leaned on the tape. We leaned on what we saw on the field, right, with the original consensus mock draft boards along with PFF grades. And then when you get into combine season, add those modifiers. When you hear people like Greg Cosell and Daniel Jeremiah talk highly of a player, add a little slot modifier. Not people that are saying, oh, he may go number two. I did it last year with Malik Willis. Even – I, you know, I'm, what, over, what, 12 years, 11 years, 12 years into creating a draft board. And last year, I allowed myself to be swayed with Malik Willis. And it was mainly Dan Orlovsky that did it. I'm like, oh, he's he's, he's definitely going to be a high first-round pick. I mean, he's just got too much arm talent and this and that. Guess who Dan Orlovsky's trumpeting this year? Anthony Richardson. But the big thing that's happened here recently, and why I want you to understand why C.J. Stroud's dropping, and then we'll get into our Packers mock draft, is the S2. Uh, testing and we talked about it it's it really it tests a player's ability to make decisions on the fly to be able to I don't know all the details of the test but the way it's been explained to me by experts who know and I I've actually created some really good connections behind the scenes I will not mention any names but some of the conversations I've had with some pretty prominent people is really really exciting for the show moving forward we may have some big guests I was talking to a guy the other day that has over 200,000 followers and uh, he's an NFL insider and he will probably be on the show here real soon. So we're putting some big things in the works. I'm just trying to make sure we don't get too, you know, off the ball. Um, but it, it all comes down to we want the draft board to represent the majority of what teams' draft boards look like. Okay, that's what I'm I'm getting at. And when you look at how this thing, these all these things get jumbled up at the last second, it, you you can uh, you can prevent that from happening. And I feel like we're on the right track there. So here's what we're going to do today, all right? And I'm going to be as quick as I can. You know, a lot of people ask me for my mock draft. They say, hey, man, what do you, you know, what's your mock draft look like? When are you doing your mock draft? When are you releasing it? I don't just do one mock draft and go, here's my best guess as to what's going to happen. I could care less about holding my hand up saying, I was right about this. I was right about my mock draft. I don't care about that. What I, what I try to do is take multiple mock draft simulators, and I pick for the Packers using my board. And I go through and do multiple drafts from multiple simulators and then compile that information. And that gives me the odds on what pick will be taken where. Okay, that's kind of how I approach that. Um, so what I've done is I've used the draft network. Some people are going, I don't like the draft network. Their information isn't it isn't accurate. Okay, cool. Also did pro football focus. Oh, I hate PFF. Okay, cool. Also did mock draft database. 
right? So if you have a problem with all three of those, then I can't help you. You know what I mean? But I'm going to take all three of those. We're going to do three mock drafts. Two are non-tradable. You're not allowed to trade at all. And the third one, I allowed myself to either trade up or trade back, depending on who was available on the board. And then I'm going to lay out every pick, and then we're going to talk about at the end of the show um, who was the most drafted player to give us kind of an idea. We did this last year, and the player that kept coming up was Devontae Wyatt, right? So obviously the Packers took Devontae Wyatt. Now, if they hadn't had a second first-round pick, maybe they would have just taken Quay Walker and they wouldn't have taken Devontae Wyatt, right? Who knows? But that's how it played out. So we'll kind of see. You guys know early on I was saying Lucas Van Ness is the, the player that keeps coming to mind for me. And it was just every time I did a mock draft, he kept popping up. That has completely changed now. Kind of feel like Lucas Van Ness is a little bit out of range. But again, on draft night, we don't know what's going to happen. And the main thing that really, that's really, really going to come into play is what I was talking about just a second ago and to finish that thought is how are the quarterbacks going to fall? So the S2 testing came out and Will Levis absolutely crushed it. Bryce Young crushed it. We expected that. Will Levis crushed it. CJ Stra uh, Stroud scored like, terribly low. I mean, it was, I, I want to say it was like 12% or something crazy. So his draft stock is sinking now. To put that into perspective, if I understood correctly, Will Levis scored almost or as high as Joe Burrow. Okay. And I know everybody likes to hate on Will Levis. And you guys know I'm a Kentucky fan and I've really talked about him. Hey, I don't think he, he's, you know, one of the, uh, I don't think he's the best quarterback in this draft. Like some people were saying he could go number one, right? I was always Bryce Young, then CJ Stroud, then Will Levis, then Anthony Richardson. That's how my board still sits. And I apologize for turning away from the, the microphone, but I'm just going to take a look at it. I've got Bryce Young in tier one, no quarterback in tier two. And then in tier three, I've got Stroud, Levis, then Richardson. Okay. So I notice I didn't take Stroud off the board because of that S2, but I didn't even adjust him. That's how my board sat. Stroud is the best passer in this in this in this draft. But then you've got Bryce Young, who is the complete package, meaning he is very, very close, if not just as good of a passer as CJ Stroud, but he does everything else well. Now, CJ Stroud, everybody's like, well, there's two testing is crap because look at what he did on the field. Okay, cool. But you also know that he came to the line of scrimmage and looked to the sideline for a card, and that was the play called. And now he knows, okay, if I come out and they're in a single high look, I'm working this side of the field, depending on the late rotation. If they're in a, a two high look, if they got two on the shelf, I'm working this side of the field. So he's working half the field. The play was given to him after they came out and seen the personnel grouping uh, on defense as well as the formation. So – Okay, we come to the line. The coach told him, here's our personnel. All right, let me take a look at them. All right, look to the sideline. All right, here's the play we're going to run. Okay, now you say, okay, which half of the field do you want to work? You're dummying everything down, right? As where Bryce Young came out and had complete command of the offense. So Bryce Young at number one. C.J. Stroud is the best passer in this you know, the way he feathers throws, the way that he layers throws is just unbelievable. C.J. Stroud has got a magical arm. But to score that low on the S2, what does that do? It kind of confirms what we've seen in the college football season where they didn't even trust him to have command of the offense, right? It doesn't make him a bad person. doesn't mean he's going to be a horrible quarterback, but those things matter, right? Will Levis, everybody likes to point to this year about how bad he played, right? But they don't know. You never hear those people mention the ones who just love to bash him and make fun of him for putting mayo in the coffee and all that. You never hear them talk about it. And think about this. Every time somebody's going, I hate Willis. I don't want him going. I'm not going to draft him. Think about what they immediately follow up with. 
I promise you it's not the fact that his he had a brand-new coordinator this year. I promise you it's not the fact that if you go and watch the 2021 tape, he was magnificent. Why was he magnificent? Because he had a pro-style offense set up with pro-style concepts. Guys, he's stepping into the next level where the majority of the teams want him to do what he did really well in 2021, where Kentucky being Kentucky football, me being a fan, I could say this completely screwed up as they always do. You go to a different coordinator and completely jumble things up. Guess what that coordinator was running last year? The same style offense that the Packers run. So everything continues to line up with me talking about that people have caught on to this offense. Not that we can't keep this offense, 90% of it, and adjust, but something's got to be done because everybody's catching on to it. It's no longer the darling, right? And and the thing that makes these other coaches so great is they're able to navigate through that change and be able to uh, to make the slot modifications to, uh, to make it work in the league. You've seen them do it in Seattle last year. Same style offense, but they came out, you know, and I, I said it all year long doing chalk talk. My boy, y'all don't want to see what Seattle's doing. If you think Aaron Rodgers is changing this offense and this is how it is, Seattle coming out in empty sets, empty gun sets on first and 10. <laughs> and, and they're screaming that Aaron Rodgers just wants to play hero ball, not run the ball. And we're coming out in a, a 12 personnel and having an RPO with a run action and all this. It's, it's like, man, they're doing things way different in Seattle than they were in Green Bay. And it's all from the same tree, right? So I didn't want to get into, you know, uh, X's and O's talk. But these things are what matters because the quarterbacks are going to drive this draft, and that's what's really going to determine how this goes, okay, as far as the Packers picking at 15, trading up or trading back. So Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. It sounds like C.J. Stroud's sinking, Will Levis is rising. So those two are switching simply because of the S2 test, right? Now, it could all be smoke and mirrors, and C.J. Stroud may go number two to Houston, and it was all just – you know, a crap show. He may fall to four, and then Will Levis go way later than him. I don't know. So all these mock draft databases, they haven't taken into consideration that S2 testing. They probably don't even care because their egos are so high. They don't they don't give a crap about anybody else other than we know what we're doing. I don't care about the football minds. I don't care about the Michael Lombardis. I don't like his personality, so I'm not going to listen to a, a thing he's got to say on and on and on. But those four quarterbacks are what's going to kind of drive the fact – or the, the thought of the Packers having better prospects. So let's jump into the Draft Network mock draft, okay? Number 15, this one I was really excited about, and some of you may get upset, but I'm telling you, I would take this guy in a heartbeat. I don't know how he fell, but he did. With the number 15 pick, I took Christian Gonzalez, cornerback Christian Gonzalez, the best corner in the draft in my opinion. Witherspoon is real close, but Christian Gonzalez is the total package. When I came to number 15, I'm like – all right, is there an edge defender? Is there an offensive tackle? There was none of that, but I seen Christian Gonzalez sitting there, guys. To put that into perspective, let me look at the board real quick. Christian Gonzalez is he is my fourth best prospect. He's a tier two prospect. What that means is he is worthy of the number three pick in the draft, and we get him at number 15. I would take that in a heartbeat. And now you've got real competition in that DB room. You want to talk about straightening that DB room out now? Yeah, somebody's butt's going to be sitting on the bench, and we're going to have a much better player. I think Christian Gonzalez could play at that Jair Alexander level, although we know in the past, all of your Jeff Okudas, there could always be a bust. All right, number 45, I took safety Brian Branch. I was over the moon with this draft because the fact that Christian Gonzalez fell, and he's a Tier 2 talent, and then Brian Branch hands down the best safety in this draft. And if you guys were on the, the live draft stream with me and Jake the other night, 
Um, you know, Jake was pointing out so many things that I didn't even know. You know, Brian Branch, I pointed out the tackling ability. I also pointed out his coverage grade was excellent, right? And then he said, who's everybody's big darling right now? It's Jonathan Mingo at wide receiver. I, I'm as guilty as anyone. He said he went back and watched the tape between Ole Miss and Alabama, and he said on that – I think he said it was the last play of the game. He said they they went deep down the seam with John, Jonathan Mingo, and guess who was there to break it up? Stride for stride with Jonathan Mingo, single high coverage. He's the last – the last island of defense, it was Brian Branch breaking it up. He said, this dude is a baller. This comes from Jake. So why wouldn't the Packers take him? Because of that freaking athletic score that they're so dependent on, not necessarily RAS, but you know, just their athletic profile build in general, that's landed us people in the past, all the way back through the Ted Thompson days and beyond, uh, your Darnell Savages. Your your ha ha Clinton Dixes, your Morgan Burnett, your um, who's the other Demarius Randalls, on and on and on, because you just love their athletic ability, and you look at the tape and and all of the clues were there that hey these these may not be the guys right so Brian Branch at number forty five after Christian Gonzalez really really exciting at number seventy seven I got a tight end at Luke Musgrave okay some people say hey take Mayer at 15 Mayer was available at 15 every single time I did this mock draft I couldn't bring myself to take him because I know how deep the tight end draft is if the Packers took him at 15 I would be ecstatic about it. you guys know I'm a huge Michael Mayer fan kind of the same way with Dalton Kincaid but more so Michael Mayer than Dalton Kincaid because Michael Mayer is the complete package of being able to block. But in this mock draft scenario, Christian Gonzalez at number 15, safety Brian Branch at number 45, tied in Luke Musgrave at number 77. Now, I did a second mock draft for the Draft Network, and I'm going to speed up here. Hopefully that kind of lays out what we're doing, and then we'll talk about the final results at the end. Um, the second mock draft through the Draft Network, number 15, Jalen freaking Carter fell to me. Seems a little bit unrealistic to me. I don't think he's going to slide past Philly at number 10. But he was there, hands down, my best player on my board. I know there's a, a, a few people that are worried about him being out of shape, not taking it serious, obviously the legal issues, on and on and on. But just strictly by the board, Jalen Carter at number 15, I would run that card up there. I don't think he's going to be available, but, again, this is the draft network. Number 40 uh, – they hit at number 46. I don't know why. Um, so just, you know, if you want to call it 45, 46, whatever. Sometimes there's glitches in the system, but that second pick, that second-round pick. And, and keep in mind, this is without the Jets' second-round pick. There's rumors now that, that, that there may be a draft day trade that if the Jets don't like who's on the board – uh, when they pick at number 13, they may trade that away. That could be BS. Don't take my word for it. Go do your own research. I've heard people talking about that on Twitter. It could be a lie. But, again, keep in mind, this is without that extra second-round pick. So, at number 40, uh, 46, for whatever reason, uh, safety Brian Branch. So, there's two different mock drafts where Brian Branch has been taken with that second-round pick. I'm just going to call it the 45, okay? At number 45 pick, safety Brian Branch both times. And then at number 79 this time, the best player available on the board for me, not my board, but I went a little bit off the board and was like, you know, there's some people that say this is a first-round pick. I just don't see it. But if he is there in the third round, I'd be totally cool with them taking a red-shirt player and one at the most important position of need that you could bring on and develop, let Danny Etling be your backup, put this guy on IR because the injury he suffered, but it was quarterback Hendon Hooker at 79. I want to hear your all's take on that. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up in the text message, 865-658-5824. Would you be okay with Hendon Hooker if he fell all the way to the third round? I know I would. So now we have one more mock draft 
with the draft network. This is the trade. This is when I'm allowed to trade. Okay. I just allowed myself one of those. I didn't want this to turn into one of these wacky shows where there's all these multiple trades here and there. I wanted to give you two mock drafts from the draft network and then do one where I allowed me to trade. Okay. So in this scenario, I traded back, which I feel like is the best thing to do for the Packers. Okay. So what I did was I traded back and I got the number 27 pick. I don't have all the details of the trade, but the, the picks I ended up with, and these are three round mock drafts. Okay. Um, I'm not going beyond the third round. It's pointless. Um, I ended up with four picks, number 27, number 46, number 79, and number 91, okay? So here's who I took at number 27, quarterback Will Levis. <laughs> he fell all the way to 27. If I remember correctly, I traded back twice because he was the best player available. I'm like, I'm not taking Will Levis here. I'm not, and I traded back again. Guys, Will Levis is the third best quarterback on my board, only behind Young and Straub. He's a Tier 3 talent, which means you guys know every – Every April, we have a quarterback draft, and we have an NFL uh, draft for every other position. Quarterbacks are typically drafted one tier higher, so he's worthy of a number two tier, which would make him worthy of the number three pick overall, according to my board. We got him at number 27. Now, why is that important? Um, first of all, it's a very cheap contract for a backup quarterback, The same one of the same benefits that I've talked about here about Jordan Love being the backup quarterback for so long. There's there's pros and cons, obviously. You know, the con of drafting him is you take off your starting quarterback, although we kind of seen it was it was kind of a pro because it lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers. But you're also passing up on miss, on taking a an impact player there with that first-round pick, right? Uh, but also the money that's paid to a quarterback – in the draft compared to what you have to pay a backup quarterback in free agency, one of the caliber of a Will Levis or someone like that. But when I seen him fall all the way to 27, I'm like, you know what? We've stockpiled enough picks that we can hit some of these other needs in the second and third round. Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. So we took Will Levis at number 27. I personally think that's very unrealistic, but this goes back to my opening and talking about how some of these uh, draft networks, some of these, uh, these applications that allow you to do these mock draft simulators, they haven't taken any consideration consideration the S2 testing because now people are saying Will Levis probably won't make it past number four to Indy. We'll see if that's true. It could be smoke and mirrors, but that's kind of where we sit right there. I'll tell you what Will Levis has, and you can see it in the two, the 2021 tape. You didn't see it in the 2022 tape because, you know, as people have pointed out, he was surrounded by, it was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen at Kentucky. It was so bad. It was so, I went and watched them play live, right? Will Levis didn't play in that game, but watching them try to operate it, I was like this, I'm getting PTSD, literally watching them. This feels like I'm watching the Packers play offense right now. It was so hard to watch. And that's why I don't blame Aaron Rodgers, why I don't blame the offensive line not being able to get to certain points. You could watch the tape and go, this offense just isn't working. Like, the, the league has caught on. But anyway, Will Levis at number 27. At number 45, I took safety Brian Branch. So, out of all three mock drafts for the draft network, they're suggesting that Brian Branch is going to fall all the way to number 45. I don't know if that's true, but again, we're going to do multiple mock drafts from multiple platforms. So Brian Branch at number 45. At number 79, I got tied in Luke Musgrave. And at number 91, I got tied in Sam Laporta. So you get your two tight ends. You get a safety to compete in that DB room and uh, and kind of force Savage out of the helm. If you were to land Brian Branch, if, if the Packers were as high on him, and they probably won't be because of the RAS score, which drives me absolutely freaking crazy, the, the athletic profile, if you will. Um, if you were to get Brian Branch and you now have Rudy Ford playing free safety, you have Brian Branch playing strong safety, and let's say – 
that you have Savage and Keyshawn Nixon compete for the slot. Oh, and Eric Stokes competing for the slot. I think you need to leave Russell Douglas on the outside, Jerry Alexander on the outside. I hope they don't push Russell Douglas back inside. I really didn't like him there. Um, but if you do that and you create this competition, you get through camp and you say, man, Keyshawn Nixon and or Eric Stokes or whoever's going to be competing for that slot position is way better than Darnell Savage. You're on the hook for $7.9 million because you're getting that fifth-year option. What if you traded him for a conditional seventh-round pick? Guys, you could tell the team that you traded him to, hey, listen, if he if he stays on your roster all year long, we get a sixth-round pick. If you cut him, we we don't get anything. right? You could do that. But they they are still on the hook for that contract, that fifth-year option, once he's traded it out of the team. I guarantee you could find a team to take that. So some of you are going, well, free agency's already passed. What's it matter? That's $7.9 million that you can roll into the cap next year. You understand, guys, that's a that's a solid starter salary. That's a big cap hit, right? When you take someone like Brian Branch, it gives you the ability to do that. If you don't take a safety, if you don't take someone who's going to compete for that starting safety position, then you know you almost have to keep Savage on the roster, right? Although I would still cut him loose because I would want the money. That's the thing that bothers me about the salary cap talk and people that Aaron Rodgers is, uh, he's really handcuffed this organization with the salary cap hit. No, he had, look at his cap hit, guys. When it's all said and done, I can't wait to tally it up and show that he was never the highest paid quarterback, even if you add in the dead money on the backside to the entirety of the contract, right? The entirety. And we may even just do it for the last 10 years, not even his full career. But um, again, I don't want to get on a Aaron Rodgers talk here, but this, Aaron Rodgers' contract was not what's wrong with this organization or salary cap. It's Adrian Amos with $7 million in dead cap. People go, well, you you just kept pushing it out because you didn't have the money from paying Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to have him on the roster. He underperformed last year. Paying Kenny Clark over $20 million. I love Kenny, but Kenny has not performed up to that contract. On and on and on across the board, there's there's players ever. Darnell Savage at almost $8 million. So that's the reason the salary cap gets in a little bit of a, of a bond, a little bit of a pickle. Um, but again, that last one there, and we're going to have to go a lot, a lot quicker here. Number 27 quarterback, Will Levis, number 45, Brian Branch safety, number 79 tight end Luke Musgrave, number 91 tight end Sam Laporta. You've got your tight end room full. Now let those guys compete, possibly bring back Mercedes Lewis for the right price as well. And now your tight end room doesn't look so, uh, you know, dim- uh, dismal there. So let's move on to the next platform, pro football focus. Okay. PFF, one of my favorite websites. At number 15, Christian Gonzalez fell to us. The very first mock draft I did with PFF. I was so excited. I'm like, is this realistic? Is there a chance we could land cornerback Christian Gonzalez at number 15? Uh, At number 45, we took – or 46. See, they're showing 46 on here as well, So, and it keeps rotating back and forth. I don't know what in the heck happened to – it may have been a glitch in their system, but, again, I'll try to just say 45. At number 45, tied in Luke Musgrave. At number 79, I went linebacker Trenton Simpson. Why is that? If you're going to keep special teams um, stout, you you lost a linebacker in uh, Chris Barnes last year. So, you know, here in the this last offseason, you've still got Isaiah McDuffie. But what's Isaiah McDuffie do? He's primarily a special teams player, one of the better special teams players we got, one of the better gunners we've got, right? So if you bring in a Trenton Simpson and you add a little depth there, then what if Trenton Simpson is a clone of Isaiah McDuffie and he can really perform on special teams and you solidified that linebacker room in case Quay Walker or, God forbid, Devondre Campbell go down? And the reason I went linebacker Trenton Simpson 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, with that third round pick is because he was hands down the best player available on my board. So the way the board fell here, we got a stud in Christian Gonzalez. We got the third best tight end in the draft in Luke Musgrave, in my opinion. And then you got linebacker Trenton Simpson. The second mock draft. Number 15, we had edge rusher Miles Murphy fall to us. That was really exciting. I was like, heck yeah, man, that's a tier one position of importance. The one thing I didn't see is offensive tackles fall very often. But again, we got Miles Murphy at number 15. At number 45, we got tight end Luke Musgrave again. Every time I came to the number 45 pick, he was the best tight end on vo- available on the board, and he was the best player available on the board. That's when the stars align. You've got a need, of, uh, position of need for your, your ball club, and – on top of that, he's the best player available. That's a no-brainer in my opinion. And then at number 78 this time, I took quarterback Tanner McKee. The way the board fell, he was hands down the best player available on the board, and that's not even taking into consideration that he should be considered one tier higher because I don't put those quarterbacks one tier higher on my board. I leave them where they grade out, and then I've got a mental note of, okay, they're worthy of one tier higher. So that was a great quality pick, Tanner McKee. Uh, quarterback out of Stanford, I believe, if I remember correctly. I don't have my board pulled up right now. I don't want to waste time doing that. But a solid quarterback prospect, um, and uh, that would give you a solid backup. And if if just in case Jordan Love didn't pan out, then you've got some quality quarterback play in the room if you do let him walk in free agency. I'm hoping Jordan Love does pan out. We sign him to an extension, although we've made that kind of difficult now with how we've handled this Aaron Rodgers situation. I, I won't get into the details there. So, 
again, that draft was number 15, edge defender Miles Murphy, loved the pick. Number 45, tied in Luke Musgrave. Number 78, quarterback Tanner McKee. Now let's move on to uh, – it's still pro football focus, but here's the one trade I was allowed, okay? So I traded back. Rather than trading back to 27, this time I traded back to 26, okay? So I traded all the way down to 26, and I took safety Brian Branch with the 26 pick. At number 45, I took tight end Luke Musgrave. At number 48, I was able to pick up number 48 with this trade. Number 48, I took Darnell Washington tied in. I know I was I was ecstatic over that because it's hard for me to justify Darnell Washington being the number 15 pick like some people suggest he is. Now, if the Packers believe that, they they're way better at this than me, right? But when I when I look at it and it's like I could pick, I could pick Darnell Washington up with that 48 pick. That tight end room looks amazing. And then at number 58 was my next pick, the best player available was safety, Antonio Johnson. What have you done there? You draft a safety, a tight end, a tight end, and a safety. You've now taken what were two of the biggest offseason weaknesses for your ball club, and you may have turned them into a borderline strength or at least trending in the right direction. Imagine a defense where you come out with everything I just said about Brian Branch playing strong safety and his tackling ability. Your run defense immediately improves, right? Um, and then you've got Luke Musgrave and Darnell Washington competing for that number one tight end spot. Darnell Washington has the frame and the blocking ability, um, according to the experts. I haven't looked at the tape too close on him. To be that Mercedes Lewis top tight end, Luke Musgrave can be that Robert Tunyon top tight end. And then you've still got DeGuire to play H and rotate in and out. And you've got Tyler Davis as depth. Like that, to me, I feel a whole lot better about that tight end room. And then at number 58, to grab safety Antonio Johnson, I think out of Texas A&M, if I remember correctly, um, and he was the best player available, you've got more competition for the safety room. What if Rudy Ford takes a step back this year? And now Antonio Johnson being a number 58 pick, which is no – listen, guys, that's no slouch of a pick. I mean, a top 100 per, uh, pick in most ball clubs are considered to uh, compete for a starting position, Right. Number 58, man, you're you're right there. That that guy should contribute year one somewhat, you know, somehow, some way. But now you've got depth in the safety room. You've got depth in the tight end room. I was really excited about how we were able to trade back. And this is the thing I've talked about here. I feel like the Packers need to trade back. I think there's a good chance they will trade back, right, and then possibly trade back up in the second. I didn't want to uh, gaze these, this too much here and do too many trades and make it unrealistic. I would not trade back up in the second round. I wanted to use my trade to trade back, pick up more picks. Oh, and by the way, the difference in salary cap hit between the number 15 pick and the number 26 pick is uh, is pretty significant, and that's going to help your cap situation moving forward because these players are going to be on four-year deals with a fifth-year option of the first-round pick, and that's how you build in the cash-over-cap game is you've got to hit on those draft picks because the way the rookie slotting is as far as the salary cap scale – um, that's how you get your best bang for your buck on their roster. So that's how that one hit. Number 26, safety Brian Branch. Number 45, tight end Luke Musgrave. Number 48, tight end Darnell Washington. And number 58, safety Antonio Johnson. Let's move on to NFL Mock Draft Database now. This is where you can get your consensus big board. This is one of my favorite websites. I really appreciate what they put together because I'm a big – I don't care what I think. I want to know what – the quote-unquote experts think collectively, put all that information together and not use it as gospel, but use it as a tool to go, okay, how does this fit into what the people that I trust are saying? Um, so NFL uh, mock draft database, number 15, the very first mock draft I did. Number 15, I got edge rusher Miles Murphy. That's the second time he fell to us. I'm really excited about that. Let me look at the big board. Um, so Miles Murphy on mine 
is a tier three talent. Um, he's an edge defender, which is a uh, top tier of importance. I think that would be a real quality pick if he were to fall to the Packers somehow. So again, um, I took, uh, let's see here. I'm, no, I'm sorry. I was reading the wrong one. That was, uh, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Consensus. Mod- okay. Yeah. So NFL mock draft database, um, number 15 edge miles Murphy. I think it's a great, that's a quality pick there. I, I thought I'd, Jump one here, but I didn't. We're good. Number 45, tight end Luke Musgrave again. You keep hearing that name, don't you? Guys, this is exactly what happened with Devontae Wyatt last year. In the first round, almost every mock draft I did, the the only thing that kept coming up was Devontae Wyatt in the first round, Devontae Wyatt in the first round, Devontae Wyatt in the first round. And I was like, man, this is this is what we're seeing with Luke Musgrave with the number 45 pick. We'll talk about it again here in a minute. And at number 78, we had edge defender B.J. Ojolari fall to us. So in this scenario, we went best player available, and we got two uh, two players in this draft that are a top-tier position of uh, importance, uh, being the edge defend uh, edge defender position. The thought of having both Miles uh, Murphy and B.J. Ojolari on the roster with Preston Smith underperforming last year, one, it's going to light a fire under Preston Smith to compete, and two, it gives you depth. Three, it'll allow one of these young players to fill in if they beat out um, Kingsley and Ibarre for that opposite edge rusher uh, spot if indeed Rashawn Gary isn't healthy. What have you done there? You've taken the most important position on the defensive side of the ball and you've made it a strength. I really like the idea of Miles Murphy or B.J. Ojolari rushing opposite Rashawn Gary two years from now. That's that. I mean, that that's really, really exciting. So let's move on to the second mock draft for the NFL mock draft database. Number 15, we got offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Finally, a tackle fell to me at number 15. And you notice that, you know, some of you guys are seeing the Christian Gonzalez, the Jalen Carter. That's all unrealistic. Will Levis trading back at number 27. Then another Christian Gonzalez, Edge Miles Murphy, uh, safety Brian Branch is such a boring pick. He doesn't meet the RAS requirement. Uh, Miles Murphy again. Now we had an offensive tackle. Guys, I wasn't fabricating those those mock drafts. That's how they fell. If a tackle falls to us, right? I'm gonna pick up the mic. Hopefully there's not too much shuffling. If the if the tackle falls to us um at the number 15 pick, I'm all about it. If Skaronsky falls, which I don't think he will, take him. If Paris Johnson falls, take him, right? If Broderick Jones falls, take him. I'm all about that. I, I'm not about you know reaching for uh, another tackle, let's say uh, Darnell Wright, although if the Packers feel strong about it, do it. He's gotten a lot of talk. I kind of feel like he's late first, early second pick. I don't think he's worthy of that number 15 pick, although if the you know if the Packers have seen something and they like the guy, I'm on board with it, right? He definitely visited with the Packers. So, again, number 15, though, Broderick Jones, I would be ecstatic about that. Plug and play him on the right side. You got Bach on the left, and then as Bach fades out, whether it's uh, next year or the year after, you can slide Broderick over or draft someone else to play left tackle. Imagine the offensive line of David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. I don't like Josh Myers at center. John Runyon isn't great at right guard, but then you put Broderick Jones at right tackle. That's going to help that interior tremendously. If if Broderick Jones can handle his own on an island and he's a quality number 15 pick worthy prospect and he lives up to that and – uh, David Bakhtiari can handle his own on his island, which he's proven time and time again when he's healthy. Let's hope he is completely healthy now. Those two guys can handle their islands. That allows that the middle of that offensive line to pinch and help each other out. They don't have to worry about fanning out. You know, like you've seen John Runyon trying to fan out and help uh, Yash that entire game in Detroit until he got pulled for Zach Tom, right? That's the other thing, too. Look at you took a top position of importance – 
that what we would deem is a little bit weak, right? Significantly weak, some would say. And now you've turned it into a strength. And you got Zach Thomas as your rotational guy. Maybe Zach uh, Zach Thomas. Zach Tom, I should say. Zach Tom could compete for center. You know, me we we've talked about that over and over. I would be I would be so fired up for them to create a competition at center because guys Myers is just not working out right now. Maybe he'll come out this year and really pop. I hope he does. Um, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers did a lot of things for that offensive line, too, as far as helping self set the protection. That's gone this year. Now, I'm not saying Jordan Love can't do it. Hopefully he can. But uh, you, you can't sit here and, and put your head in the sand and pretend like the offensive line has less work to do with Jordan Love at quarterback. They definitely have – uh, a little bit more work to do as far as uh, diagnosing, identifying the mic, setting the protection, setting your fan, making sure you understand where your double team needs to be, all those things that are important on the offensive line. Not to not to mention all the different types of run that we did. You know, we pin and pull, zone run. Um, you know, uh, I, there's just a ton of different things that they've done last year, a multitude of ways they attacked in a running game. It wasn't simplified by no means which is why Aaron Rodgers said we need to simplify things because people couldn't get to their spots. If you guys remember, Ryan broke down the Detroit game, and he's like, they're asking these offensive linemen to do stuff that they're just not capable of doing. You can't can't expect that guy to get to that point, you know, as far as pulling. So there's a lot of things that have happened this year for the Packers to improve, and I think Matt LaFleur has already talked about, hey, they got to get in there and work on scheme. Hopefully they're simplifying things a bit and they're preparing Jordan Love for the uh, – the extra responsibilities he's going to have here as a starting quarterback. So, again, number 15, sorry to go on a rant there, but, man, I'm excited about that pick. If, if Broderick Jones falls to 15, that would be a great pick. Number 45, tight end Dalton Kincaid. This is the first time that another tight end other than Luke Musgrave was available at 45. So you notice I'm not just in love with Luke Musgrave, guys. It's because both Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid were gone when we got the 45 before, and this is what I was talking about. Everything in my eyes, if the if the board falls away, I think it will in the draft, you know, unfolds away, I think it will. We've got to trade up to get Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid, and I wouldn't allow myself to uh, uh, to trade up um, in all these trade scenarios. So keep in mind that's definitely a possibility. We traded up for Christian Watson last year. I don't think you would have to go up to, uh, you know, the second pick of the second round. Uh, that high to get one of these tight ends, I think you could probably just move up five spots, maybe to the the 10th pick of the second round, Um, you know, that that 42 pick somewhere in there. Um, And uh, that's probably where you could get one of those tight ends. It's going to be close. So you're probably going to look to trade up if you want to grab them. But in this case, Dalton Kincaid fell to me at 45. Luke Musgrave is still available. I took Dalton Kincaid over him. He's the better tight end. He's one tier higher. Um, not a huge difference, in my opinion, between Dalton Kincaid and Luke Musgrave, according to my board, not my personal scouting, but, you know, the people that I trust. Um, and Dalton Kincaid would be a significant upgrade, though, over Luke Musgrave at number 45. That was an exciting pick. And then at number 78, I took Tyreek Stevenson, a cornerback. Um, now, he's a guy who's visited with the Packers. It's obvious they like him. He was the best player available on the board at number 78 when I picked this time, and you just got to take – the, uh, the best player available in that scenario. In this case, it was Tyreek Stevenson. All right, let's move on to uh, the same same platform, NFL Mock Draft Database website, right, the Consensus Big Board website. And here's the 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 trade, okay, the, uh, the, the mock draft where I was allowed to trade. I traded back again, okay. I traded back to number 28 this time. And guess who I picked up at number 28? I could not believe it. This one I traded back twice. Because I'm like, that's unrealistic. And he was still on the board. And then I traded back again and he was still on the board. I'm like, this felt like Eddie Lacy. I'm not passing up on this. I've avoided this player twice now 
and he's still the best player available. Hands down, he's a tier two talent, uh, tier three talent, I'm sorry, on my big board. So he's worthy of the, you know, the, uh, let's see, whatever it would be here. In this specific draft, he would be worthy of the fifth overall pick, in my opinion. Halfback B. John Robinson at number 28. I could not believe it. So, number 28 pick, B. John Robinson, where we traded back twice, we picked up. We still got 45. So, this, this draft here was number 28, 45, 58, 60, and 78. How would that sound, having that many picks in the top 100, right? And that's without the Jets' second-round pick if they do get that trade done. Um, but I took number 28, halfback Bijan Robinson. Number 45, I took tight end Dalton Kincaid. So there's two times, according to NFL Mock Draft Database's website, that Dalton Kincaid was in reach at number 45. If that's the case, man, whoo, that is awesome. So number 45, Dalton Kincaid. Number 58, safety Antonio Johnson. Number 60, I went with interior offensive lineman Steve Avila. I think that's how you say his name. He's one of the best interior offensive linemen in the draft. I've got him as a tier 11 position. There's only one other interior offensive lineman that's better than him in the draft, and that's Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Um, he's a 28.6, and I've got a Violet of 47.3. The lower number is more valuable on my board. So uh, it may be Avila. I think it's. I think it's a Vila. I don't know, man. We'll figure out how it's pronounced at the Packers draft. I, mean, I don't try to put, I don't try to dunk on people for not knowing the, you know, how to pronounce people's names. And if someone wants to dunk on me for that, then hey, man, have at it. Do you think that makes you feel good? Do it. So anyway, he was the second best interior offensive lineman on the board. Um, I took him. Um, he was the best available on the board at the time, but the second best in my opinion in this entire draft. So we got an interior offensive line, right? Um, he could possibly play center. Could definitely play guard. And then at number 78, I took offensive tackle Matthew Bergeron. I want you to remember that name, guys. Matthew Bergeron. Bergeron. Um, Daniel Jeremiah's talked glowingly about him. Michael Lombardi talked about him. Greg Cosell's talked about him. He's one of those guys that he will most likely be a second to third round pick. But I would not be surprised if you pop up in the first round, the back half of the first round, and offensive tackle Matthew Bergeron gets selected. There's that much buzz around him, right? I'm trying to make a list of names that, hey, this is a guy that might creep up in the first round. But I don't know, man. I'm hearing his name so often. It's like there, there has to be – where there's smoke, there's fire. I listened to Peter Schrager and Daniel Jeremiah do a mock draft together the other day, and they don't do it from a sense of I think they should take this one. It's this is what I'm hearing. And they are as plugged in as anybody when it comes to the NFL draft, knowing people in the building, knowing how to navigate the smoke screens, knowing what message is trying to get across while grabbing any little bit of fact or information that's going to lead you to the proper draft pick at that you know specific position. Um, so let's recap that trade down draft there through mock draft database. Halfback, B. John Robinson, what does that do for your team? You can now allow um, – A.J. Dillon to walk in free agency next year and test it and see if it's worth it to bring him back. It probably wouldn't be. Let him go get his money if he wants to provide a discount for Green Bay because he loves Door County. He loves everything about, you know, Wisconsin. Then, hey, you sign him for a deal and you've got a stacked offensive line room or a running back room. Sorry. Imagine next year, first of all, this year, imagine B. John Robinson, who, by the way, can do everything that Aaron Jones does as far as flexing out. Like he can he can play receiver if you need him to. He's that good of a receiver, that good of a route runner. Okay, um, so you've got two versatile players there. You don't know if you're going to motion out. Um, imagine if a defense came to the line when we come out in our pony package, 
our pony package is basically our two running back set. Okay. It's, it's technically a 21 personnel, but it's two halfbacks as opposed to a halfback and a Kyle use check fullback top. Right. Or there was times last year that AJ Dillon did so bad um, blocking and in the passing game in that regard, when he wasn't in the route that they just started to plug and play Josiah DeGuara into that second running back position. Now it's no longer the pony package. It's just simply a 12 personnel. Right. In my opinion, Imagine coming out in that pony package this year, and you've got Bijan Robinson and Aaron Jones, and you could flex both of them out if you wanted to. There's just so many things you could do there. Now, do I think Bijan Robinson will be available at number 28? Probably not. I wouldn't bet the farm on that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a wager on that one. But if he is, man, I would. Oh, being able to trade back stockpile picks and take him at number 28, that's exciting. So number 28, B. John Robinson. Number 45, Dalton Kincaid. Bang, there's your starting tight end. Number 58, safety, Antonio Johnson. There is competition for that second safety spot with Rudy Ford. Now, once again, you possibly could make Darnell Savage expendable. Guys, I'm not saying that Antonio Johnson um, out of Texas A&M would be a stud plug-and-play starter and be excellent, but I do know he can – I think he can perform – better than Darnell Savage's whatever it was here. I've got it right here, 47.5. There was only one safety in the entire National Football League that performed worse than Darnell Savage last year, according to PFF. I know that Antonio Johnson can be better than that. That's what still pisses me off so freaking bad about that fifth-year option. And people would defend Goody to the end on that. Like, no, it's like you've you've got to get rid of the ego and say – We've given this guy every single opportunity to excel, and he hasn't. We give him opportunity on special teams early on, and he didn't. He had one good year at safety, and then it, you know, we tried him in the slot. He played okay in the slot, but his PFF grade, guys, is still a forty-seven point five. Like it's, it's bad. So Antonio Johnson with the number fifty-eight pick, the number sixty pick, interior offensive lineman Steve Avila. If you, if you draft him, right? And now you create competition. Let him compete for center and let him compete for right guard. A lot of fire under their rear end. You know, John Runyon underperforming and Myers underperforming. And and whichever one he plays best at at that position and with the number 60 pick, if he plays better at center than he does right guard, then put his butt in at center and put Myers on the bench. Like you've got to pay the you got to play the best players. You got to put the best product on the field. Not just I got to march him out there because he's a second round pick. BS. That's what bothers me so much is hearing people talk about, well, he's a good player because he was drafted in the second round. That doesn't make you a good NFL player. It doesn't. Regard if let me put it this way. If you drafted a player, you've got you've got Josh Myers playing center, right? And you drafted him in the second round. If you got him and you've got uh this number 60 pick, and someone told you that, you know, Steve Avila is gonna gonna be a uh, you know, uh let's say an 85 PFF, and he's going to make the Pro Bowl this year, all pro team, right? And Josh Myers was going to be a 62 PFF like he had in the past. I think last year he was a yeah 62.4 and was just going to crap the bed. You're telling me you would start Josh Myers over him because he was a second-round pick? That's just crazy. It doesn't matter where you take him. Put the best product on the field. If it's a seventh-round pick and he is going to perform better than Josh Myers. Like, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. I mean, that's literally the definition of insanity. I hate using that line because everybody overuses it, but it's it's so freaking true. I really like that draft. You added – really what you've done here is you've added, with the pony package, one starter, 
two starters with a tight end, possibly a third starter with the safety, and an interior offensive lineman, uh, possibly a fourth starter. And you got Matthew Bergeron. Who knows? Bergeron may come out and compete for that right tackle spot, right? But regardless, you added depth at a tier one position of importance. So that was a fun one there. We got through it. So hopefully I didn't talk too fast, but I wanted to get through this in a timely manner. I never want you guys to feel like I'm just filling airtime, right? I want you to come away and go, okay, I would rather you have to rewind to catch something I said rather than go, God, just go get to the point, right? So I try to, coming from the South, I talk slow. I talk with a country accent. I'm 110% redneck. A lot of people still think that's racist. I don't understand how you think redneck is racist, but that's God, that's a story or a topic for a different podcast. Um, but I want to make sure we get as much information in one episode as we can. Hopefully you caught on to that. If not, you can kind of rewind back and see where some of these picks hit. But let's do a quick recap, okay? Not on the overall mock draft or every individual mock draft, but overall mock draft. Who were the most drafted players that we just talked about? Keep in mind, last year, guys, we did this, and the one player that keep, kept popping up was Devontae White, like I mentioned earlier in this pod. Okay, This year, there was one player that was drafted more than anyone else. We used three different platforms. On each platform, we used one scenario where I was allowed to trade back and, and compile a few extra picks, not be aggressive and trade up and try to make this fit my narrative. When I went into this exercise, just like last year with Devontae White, I did not expect it to be Devontae White. I did not expect it to be this guy. But this year, the player that was drafted the most, he was drafted six times. All six times, he was the number 45 pick, and that was tight end Luke Musgrave. Make a note of that. Make a note of that. Because the way the draft falls, multiple platforms are suggesting that Luke Musgrave is going to be the best player available at number 45, and it's a position of need for us. And to the best of my knowledge, he does fit the RAS requirements. I'm going to look at my draft board real quick. Try not to waste too much time. He does. Knocked, knocked the combine pro day out of the freaking park. Had the maximum modifier. I mean, I, I could see them falling in love with him at number 45. If indeed Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer are both off the board. Okay. Um, the second player that was drafted the most was safety Brian Branch. Okay. Now, Brian Branch was selected in the first round once. Okay, with the number 26 pick, I traded back. I didn't like taking him at 15, but I traded back and took him at 26. Um, he was drafted there once, and the other three times he was drafted at the number 45 spot. But he was drafted four times, safety Brian Branch, four different times. Uh, and then we have four players that were drafted twice, starting with safety Antonio Johnson. He was drafted twice um, at the number 58 pick. I took him, see, there's one at the number 58 pick. Yeah, both times was at the 58 pick because I traded back with the same team. So two different times it made sense to draft Antonio Johnson, um, safety out of Texas A&M. Two times we drafted Dalton Kincaid. Both of those times Dalton Kincaid fell to us at number 45. Notice I did not. I refused to spend the number 15 pick on Dalton Kincaid. Not that I'm anti-tight end. You guys know I've been trumpeting. we got to get this fixed. But there's no reason to reach when this tight end class is so so heavy, right? It's so uh, – it's so loaded with talent. So, again, he was drafted twice, both times at the number 45 spot. Twice Christian Gonzalez fell to us, guys. Two different times, two different platforms. Like, if it was, if it happened twice on the draft network, I'd go, ah, their, their database is a little skewed in that regard. It happened on Pro Football Focus as well. Like, that's that gets me pumped that Christian Gonzalez, there's a slight chance he could be there at number 15. 
So we drafted him twice at the number 15 pick. And then the other one, edge defender Miles Murphy fell to us at number 15 twice. So just to recap, Luke Musgrave at number 45, Brian Branch at number 45, Antonio Johnson uh, at number 58 if we were to trade back, uh, Luke Musgrave, number 45, um, Christian Gonzalez, number 15, and edge defender Miles Murphy at number 15. Those are your guys. So if the Packers stay put at 15 and don't trade back, I think there's a great chance to take Miles Murphy. Now, some of you guys are asking, what, you know, you, you said that Luke, uh, that Lucas Van Ness was that player that kept popping up this year, like Devontae Wyatt in the early going. Yes. But every single mock draft that I did, guys, I did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine mock drafts from three different platforms. Three of those nine I was allowed to trade back, and at no scenario whatsoever was Lucas Van Ness on the board when I picked. So if he falls to 15, I'm on board with it. Because, again, looking at the board, I've got Lucas Van Ness um, sitting in a Tier 4. He's obviously a uh, position of top, you know, top position of, of importance. Yeah, he's in Tier 4, so he's only behind Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, uh, Miles Murphy are the only edge defenders above Lucas Van Ness. So if he falls to the Packers at 15, I'd be on board with it. It just didn't happen here. So it goes to show you how the information kind of changes as you go through right the, the draft season. And when everything's finished, you've got these favorites that kind of look like they're a little bit out of reach. Now, would the Packers trade up for a Lucas Van Ness? It's possible if they have him you know, rated that high, if they have the talent drop off quite a bit, if Miles Murphy's already gone, right? And Will Anderson's already gone, and Tyree Wilson's already gone, which I think those guys will be. Will Anderson is like my big guy. I know people have bashed him because Darnell Wright handled him when Tennessee played Bama, but I heard an interview with Will Anderson with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks the other day. This dude sounds like the type of guy that you want to represent your team. And it's crazy because people say, well, he had a drop-off this year. If he'd have come out last year, he'd have been the number one pick, but he couldn't. Um, he had a drop-off this year. The thing they're not mentioning – he had 100 less attempts this year and had the same amount of production. I think a little bit better production, but they he, he might not have had the sack numbers. It's like his his pressure percentage, let me put it this way. He had 100 over over 100 less pass rush attempts, okay? And his pressure percentage increased from last year. Think about that. So, Will Anderson is a stud. In my opinion, he's the player in this draft he and Jalen Carter remind me of Hutchinson last year that got drafted by the Detroit Lions. Not play style necessarily, but the fact that when I looked at Hutchinson last year, I was like, that's the surefire pick of this draft. That's the guy that he can play the run. He can rush the passer. He, he's got great work ethic. Jalen Carter would be that this year for me too, but you've got the off-the-field issues. Hutchinson didn't have that. He did. So this year, in my opinion, that player is Will Anderson. Will Anderson is Hutchinson this year. He's a slam dunk. Whoever takes him, they're going to get a superstar and one with a great uh, work ethic. I think they said that he grew up in the house with five sisters and just his character is like, and some people go, oh, what's that matter? It, it matters. I grew up in a house full of, of women. You know, I had three older sisters. I was the baby of the bunch. I had an older, older brother who was out of the house real early. I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with him until later in life uh, when he got out of the military. But growing up in a house with a bunch of women, you know, three sisters and my mom and a dad that was just a freaking wildcat running all over the place. Like I said, we were a biker family. 
it, it, it made me grow up real quick. And I understood at an early age, man, it's my job to protect them. Not that I'm Mr. Bad and they're weak, but it's like that, you know, you feel an obligation, you feel a responsibility to take care of your family, you know, as, as a man. And they said that Will Anderson's kind of got that, if I understood correctly. He's, he's kind of got that same – that really connected with me. I love Will Anderson, one of my favorites. So the last thing I'm going to say, and we're going to wrap up here because we, uh, we're we going a little long. I was wanting to keep it under an hour, and we're over it here. Um, Daniel Jeremiah and Peter Schrager, um, they did a mock draft together. That, this information isn't from that. I wish I had took the time to write it down, but I was listening to it on the go. But I did – these are two of the guys that I trust the most because they're plugged in. Guys, they are plugged in big time with NFL teams. That doesn't mean that they understand scouting. That doesn't mean that they understand a five-tech hand placement, kick step, all of these things that you hear scouts talk about in the, you know, the, the scouting chatter. What it means is they have people within all the buildings that trust them, and I believe Peter Schrager's was the most accurate mock draft last year, so he knows what's going on. Daniel Jeremiah is right there with him. So with that being said, in their most recent mock drafts, not the one they did together, but the ones that you can find on NFL.com, Daniel Jeremiah at number 15 had the Packers taken offensive tackle Paris Johnson. Guys, that's freaking exciting. So in no scenario in my mock draft here did I have Paris Johnson fall to me, but if he had, that's a tier, that's a tier four talent. There's only one tackle I have graded out higher than him, and that's Peter Skronsky. And I'm not a huge Skronsky fan, but I've got to trust my board, right? Again, I don't want to It'd be real easy for me to go, oh, I'm going to drop him down, put Paris Johnson over him. That's not how this works. I remove my ego com- completely, and these this board is compiled from the people that I trust the most. Um, so, again, if Paris Johnson, if we get him at number 15, he's the second-best tackle in the uh, in the draft. That's a name that never popped up for me, but it's right there with Broderick Jones, who I drafted once at the number 15 pick using the NFL mock draft database. I'd be totally on board with that pick. That would be great. And then Peter Schrager took number at number 15 – wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. This one I have a little issue with. Jackson Smith and Jigba was on the board for me a few times. But when I looked at the board, I think one time he was on the board, him and Quentin Johnson, they're both tier five talents in my opinion. Uh, Johnson being an 18.3 and Jackson Smith and Jigba being an 18.6. I've got Jordan Addison one tier above them. Never at any point was Jordan Addison available for me to take. Um, so with those two guys on the board, when I picked that time, though, guess who was on the on the board? And this wasn't a trade back scenario, right? I did. This wasn't the this wasn't the one of the three from each uh, each platform that I traded back. This was the I'm not allowed to trade back. That's one that Christian Gonzalez was on the board. So some of you are going, why wouldn't you take Jackson Smith and Jigba? We need to get a weapon for Jordan Love. I appreciate that. I respect that, and I, I somewhat agree with it. But when you've got a tier two talent and Christian Gonzalez avail- available. You take the best player available on the board. You've got to. It's either that or trade back. And in that scenario, I wasn't allowed to trade back. So there may be a situation where we get to number 15 and they trade back to like 18 and Jackson Smith and Jigba still there. I don't know. I don't know if he'll make it that far. But, again, Peter Schrager says he's got the Packers taking Jackson Smith and Jigba at number 15. He's only done one official mock draft on that website. It may be a little outdated. I think it's the most most recent, If other than his show that he did the other day where, where he and Daniel Jeremiah just alternated picks. Um, but that's how they see it. So just want to lay it out for you guys. The, the, the thing that's staring me right in the face coming out of this exercise, Luke Musgrave at number 45. Uh, Brian Branch, there's a good chance they'll be able to take him. And uh, let's pray to sweet baby Jesus that either Christian Gonzalez, Miles Murphy, 
or Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones fall to us because those would be four slam dunk picks, in my opinion, at the number 15 spot. And who knows if that rumor did turn out to be true, and that would be really cool. Right now I'm treating as if it's a rumor because of the source, but what if we did get to the number 13 pick on draft night? And I said this in the chat the other day, and Ryan went crazy over it. What if we get to the number 13 pick, the Jets are on the clock, we get that little notification noise, whether it's NFL Network, ESPN, whatever platform you're using, and it says a trade has just occurred, then you know it's going to be Green Bay trading up. That means they've traded Aaron Rodgers. The Jets didn't like what was on the board. They traded the number 13 pick to the Packers, and, man, that changes everything, absolutely everything with this draft. I'm not expecting it. I'm going to curb the enthusiasm. I think we there's a good chance, a better chance we pick up a number two pick, like a second-round pick. Um, and if that's the case, it changes a ton as well. I mean, when you when you think about it, that's what two picks before the Packers. So at, that would add in pick forty three. You know, at that point, you know what what is it you come away with? I mean, you you could come away with another stud. I'm, I'm just kind of looking through my notes here and going who might be available. You know, I think that's pretty much a slam dunk. If if the Packers were to end up with the number forty two pick, I think what I would see happening. If Michael Mayer's already uh, Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid are already off the board, I think you're going to see Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, a little double dip, or maybe they uh, wait just a, a little bit longer to get another tight end, or maybe trade up in the third to try to get another tight end. But there's a lot of things that could happen. It's it's here, baby. It's draft week. I'm really excited to hang out with you guys on Thursday night. I'll be live with Ryan on the draft show. Swing through and hang out with us, man. It's a blast. We're just going through reacting to picks. We'll give a little bit of quick analysis. We'll talk about our updated boards, talk about who we, you know, think the Packers uh, may or may not, you know, draft in specific situations, whether they're going to trade up, trade down, whether the Jets trade goes through, whether we just pick up a second round pick. And then as soon as that first night's over, we'll reset the board, get ready for Friday night and hit the second round the same way. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Sorry, it was a little long winded. Just want to get all that information out to you. This has become a tradition for me. And I think it's a good way to just kind of look and see what are the best chances of which player at which pick that we could do um, doing multiple uh, mock drafts. And again, it was, it was nine mock drafts. So this isn't a small sample size. So thank you guys for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pat Go.